The Colts are riding high with a with a three-game win streak. And dare we start talking playoffs? Let's get to it. You are Locked On Colts, your daily Indianapolis Colts podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, what up? Thanks for tuning in and making us your first post-game listen of the day. This is your daily podcast covering your Indianapolis Colts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. What is up, friends and family? This is Jake Arthur and Zach Hicks. You know the two of us from HorseshoeHuddle.com. And we are here today celebrating another Colts victory. That's three in a row on the heels of a three-game losing streak uh, at a time when playoffs seem like, you know, we're, we're talking playoffs. That's how it was. They're now six and five. Uh, by the end of the early game window, they were the final spot in the AFC playoffs. Now, that could change from the results of a couple other games, uh, but they have done their job, everybody. Uh, so we're here to talk about, you know, the highs, the lows, offense, defense. What did we like? What did we not like? Uh, but Zach, shoot, man, three-game win streak. How are you feeling? Pretty good, man. I mean, pretty good. Like, look, I know people are going to say, okay, you only beat the Panthers, the Patriots, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, those are not great football teams. So I totally understand when people are going to say that. But look, when it comes to the NFL – Parody is king. Like there's a lot of parody in the NFL. Yes, there's obviously a big gap between a team like the Colts even and the Panthers and the Patriots, but you still need to win those games. I mean, one of the yeah. teams they're competing with for a playoff spot that's in their division, Houston Texans lost to the Panthers, right? I believe they, that's, that's the Panthers' one victory this season was <laughs> against the Houston Texans. So it's not like a thing where, you know, you're playing these like FCS teams, like in college football or anything like that. You're still playing NFL caliber teams, albeit just weaker NFL teams. So you have to get the job done. You have to take care of business. And the Colts have taken care of business the last couple of weeks. Uh, this was definitely against a better team than what we saw the last two weeks. I mean, obviously the Buccaneers are competing for that division there in the NFC South. They're, they're a competitive team. They're not a great team, but they're a competitive team. Uh, but the Colts were able to get the job done. It was a close game, but uh, the Colts were able to come ahead at the end of this one, and and they did what they needed to do to get this three-game win streak. Yeah, I think what I am most pleased with with this one is this wasn't a big yeah, but win. Like, I feel like all three phases kind of came to play on this one. Uh, they all did some really good things. Offensively, uh, they, they bucked their latest trend. You know, for the last couple games, they've only rushed for 148 yards total in the last two games they had over 150 in this one alone so the run game got got back on track uh Gardner Minshew didn't necessarily have the game he probably could have against such a weak passing uh defense but he did just enough you know he was able to find Michael Pittman Jr. time and time again there were some good things in the past game uh but yeah the, the defense I thought was really good six sacks against a quarterback who is he's got a gunslinger mentality. He's got a strong arm. Like I like that they were able to, to disrupt Baker Mayfield so much. They got a couple takeaways. Um, 
the defensive front didn't do so great against the run, but you got to love what they did as pass rushers. Yeah, you know, th- this run defense is still a major issue without Grover Stewart. I mean, we're especially seeing it on the non-DeForest Buckner snaps with this defensive yeah. front because it's Eric Johnson out there. It's Adetomi Adebore out there. It's Taven Bryan. These are just not run defending defensive tackles or, I mean, Adetomi Adebore is at least a young guy who can rush the passer a little bit. I don't know what the other two are really bringing the Colts at this point, but not, not to keep everything negative here. Um, I think the Colts defense though is doing a good job of just keeping everything in front of them. You know, they're not allowing too many big plays. Like, yes, there were a couple big runs in this game. Uh, Mike Evans got loose for a couple of pretty big plays on the, on the, in the passing game. But for the most part, the Colts are doing a really good job of sitting back in their quarters coverage. They're keeping everything in front. They're getting those timely turnovers and sacks when they need them. And as a result, this defense, Defense that looked like it was on its last legs. It looked like it was the end of the road against New Orleans Saints because it was that yeah. bad against the Saints. They've really turned it around this last three games, and, and they're still doing it again without Juju Brents playing, without Grover Stewart playing after just releasing Shaquille Leonard. Like this defense has gone through a lot of turnover and losing a lot of day one starters or early season starters. And they're starting to find their rhythm a little bit and doing a lot of really good things back there. So, yeah, I think this Colts defense is mainly the, the like the main reason why the Colts won this game. They had a really strong game overall. They stood tall in the red zone a couple times. And as a result, again, the Colts are currently in the playoff race. They're right there in that seven seed. Yeah, the, the secondary wasn't terrific. But given the fact they're facing Mike Evans and Chris Godwin with a, a quarterback who's pretty capable in, in Baker Mayfield, I was overall – Please, you know, I was kind of waiting for this matchup because having big check marks against the Patriots and Panthers, who are like two of the worst passing offenses, that's one thing. But you had to come out and prove it in this one, and give them about a C. Like it was, it was, it was fine. You can't really kill them for that. It could have been much worse against someone like Mike Evans. Uh, but let's look at, at Gardner Minshew. This, so this, we know what this guy is at this point. You know. Early in games, pretty solid. When things are scripted, you have your first 15. It's it's quick. He's spreading it around. Like, there seems to be a plan. In the middle of the game, you know, it's uh, a little rough. Seeing ghosts, um, peripheral vision, awareness scores of zero. Uh, but then late in the game, made enough plays, ultimately, for, for the Colts offense to pull it out. Yeah, you know... I was at least happy to see those first like 15 or so plays from him because it at least looked operational again. Like again, this Colts right. offense wasn't doing anything perfect early in the game, but the, the team was able to move the ball. They were efficient. I mean, I think I saw for the most part of this game, they were like 82% success rate, which means that they're positive. They're getting those positive yards. They're getting first downs. They're moving the ball effectively. Uh, really the only thing that slowed down their offense in this game whatsoever was their third down offense. They just struggled on third downs when Minshew had to make those plays he just mm-hmm. couldn't make it, couldn't get it done. But for the most part, again, if this is your backup quarterback playing, I'm fine with a game like this outside of those couple turnover worthy plays there in the middle of the game. Uh, as long as the offense is kept operational, you're staying ahead of schedule, you're moving the ball efficiently, uh, you're having high success rate. I'm fine with that. Just don't have the turnovers and we're good. You know, so don't have the fumbles from behind. Don't have the, the crazy miscommunication picks or I don't know what he was doing on that near interception to Antone Winfield or I, I, I really have no clue what went into that decision there. But aside from those, I think he mostly had a really solid game. You know, he still has the pocket awareness issues. He still has the issues on third downs, but 
again, we still have to kind of grade this on a curve because this is a backup level quarterback. Uh, you're you're going to get backup level play from him. And if this is the backup level play they're getting, you can win with this. You really can't win, really. I mean, I know they won the last two games with what he did, but you really can't against better teams. And this type mm-hmm. of game, you can win with this type of quarterback play against real NFL teams, you know, or like better NFL teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, for sure. And then we would obviously be remiss to not finish out the opening of our show without talking about Samson Ebucom, two sacks, uh, forced fumble strip sack at the end of the game. He called game. Um, Yeah, really, really solid performance from him. He had a good start to the season, had some sacks, but he was getting them against backups. Like he was basically getting them against like guys that teams had to go and like ask a bodyguard from a nightclub to come play tackle for him. And he was getting those. He had a great game against Tristan Wirfs, who is an all-world player. Yeah, uh, And and I, as I know you're going to mention it, he did it in kind of a variety of ways. Yeah, and, and the thing, too, with Samson Ebukam is, you know, again, I know the sacks haven't been there in recent weeks, but he's still getting pressure, still doing what he was mm-hmm. doing early in the season. It's just he wasn't finishing those plays for sacks. Now, we saw in this game, you know, the first sack, a little bit of luck involved. Baker Mayfield falls down after getting touched by Ebukam. But that last sack against Tristan Wirfs of all players, Tristan Wirfs, an all-world left tackle, fantastic player. Uh, Samson Ebukam just took him to school and beat him with that cross chop. Uh, fantastic rush. He finished the play. He forced the fumble, and the Colts got the win. That's what you want to see out of your veteran pass rusher who's been having a really strong season. You want to see that closing ability. I thought it was going to be DeForest Buckner that closed the game out but Samson Ebukam against one of the best left tackles in football was able to close this one out just a fantastic play uh, and he deserves all the props in the world for being that big closer for the Colts today yeah he was the leader of a really solid uh pass rushing performance from the defensive front today and if you haven't already I actually caught up with Ebukam in the locker room after the game got a quick video of that as well so check that out after this and coming up soon we're going to talk about the rest of the offense because there were still some positives When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. They have a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. And hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats right now, and they might not have the time or resources to actually do the hiring. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even quicker and easier. And that's what it's all about. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And guys, this show is also sponsored by BetterHelp. This time of year can be a lot. Hey, I work in retail. I've worked in retail for the last seven years. We just got through Black Friday. I know this time of year can be a lot. It was a lot for me this week. That's why Jake was covering for me quite a bit on the show. But it's natural to feel feel some sadness and some anxiety about this time of se- this time of year. But adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright spot amidst all the stress and the change. Something to look forward to, to make you just feel grounded and to give you the tools to to manage everything that's going on. So if you guys are thinking of starting therapy, 
Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. All right, guys, so we're diving into this Colts offense. And look, we already talked about Gardner Minshew. I don't want to keep going into the whole Gardner Minshew conversation because really the Colts in this game relied on their two-star players on offense. The two-star players that they got in the same draft class, Michael Pittman Jr. and Jonathan Taylor. Those are the guys that carried the load for the Colts. And look, if the Colts are going to make the playoffs, those are the two offensive players that they're going to have to lean on a lot. The rest of the way. Now they leaned on Michael Pittman Jr. in the first half, and he came up really big in the first half, had 10 catches on the day for 107 yards. But then the second half, when they had to run this game away and they had to put the put the game just in the bag, Jonathan Taylor carried them to victory with 15 carries for 91 yards and two touchdowns. Jake, what do you think about this great offensive game plan of just hey, get the ball to your star players? Yeah, it seems pretty seamless, right? <laughs> Pass to score and run to win. I think we're yep. starting to to understand what that means by this point. Uh, but no, it was I. I felt like they didn't abandon any one successful thing throughout the game. Like I felt like they did a good job balancing everything. And I don't know if you guys listened to to Chris Ballard's uh, his appearance on the Colts podcast during the bye week. But he said that Jonathan Taylor being so heavily involved without Zach Moss was kind of an anomaly against the uh, the Panther uh, Patriots, and they wanted to get Moss more involved, and they did. Uh, you know, this is exactly what I think they want to see, uh, a performance with Taylor getting a little more, but in total, 150 rushing yards from the pair. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., again, like you mentioned, stud performance. He had, he had one drop that he would really want back, but that has been – that has been just a blip compared to what he's done this season. He's on pace for a huge year. Uh, I mean, one that's going to put him up there, you know, and, and Colts lore with like the T Y Hilton performances and, and things like that. Uh, so really big deal for him. I wrote after the game, I don't care what side you fall on, whether or not he's a true number one receiver. It doesn't matter. He's clearly the best receiver for the Colts and they need him. Yeah. Yeah. I think at worst, he's going to be a franchise tag player for the Colts this offseason, mm-hmm. but I'd, I'd be so shocked if they don't get a deal done with him by, by the end of the year, or at least early into the offseason. Like he, he's not touching free agency guys. He's going to be a Colt for a long time. I think he wants to be a Colt for a long time. And uh, I don't think there's any fear of losing him, but those are the two players the Colts need to rely on down the stretch. But they also have a couple other players that they relied on in this game too. Zach Moss, eight, ca- or eight carries for 55 yards, two catches for 15 yards. I loved this usage of Zach Moss. I was complaining Mm -hmm. quite a bit after that Patriots game about how Moss was completely out of the game plan because, look, if Moss is going to just be your third down back or your passing down back, even if that's all his role is going to be, you can still run out of those looks. You know, you can sit back in those those shotgun looks with lighter boxes and give the ball to Zach Moss, who is a fantastic contact balance type running back who can get get those really hard, hard hard-earned yards up the middle. 
you can use him in that way. And that's what we saw with the Colts. You know, he had a ton of snaps in the first half because the Colts were going so pass heavy. And as a result, he had a couple runs at the middle against really light boxes where he was able to churn out some really big gains. And then when he go when he got to the second half and the Colts wanted to really pack it in and just run the ball, that's when Jonathan Taylor, the closer, came out and was able to put this game in the bag. But uh, Zach Moss, eight carries for 55 yards, two catches for 15 yards. I really love the usage from him today. And and again, like you said, when Chris Ballard wants to get more Zach Moss involved, I also also want Zach Moss more involved because I think he's he's just too good of a player for your offense to keep on the bench no matter what you're paying Jonathan Taylor yeah that, that's that's absolutely right uh and then we saw some shorter stuff we've seen a continuation of the Colts getting Alec Pierce more involved or getting him involved in more than just the, the shot plays really uh we're seeing him on a lot more slants just a lot more stuff over the middle because he can create that separation and you just get him the ball inside he can shield his body away from the defender pick up a little bit of yardage. Again, he doesn't have to be this big play guy all the time. He's capable of more. And four catches for 27 yards. I mean, that is that is sometimes a Michael Pittman stat line when they're just trying to feed him all this little yak stuff. Like Pierce usually averages like 15 yards a catch. So this is proof that, you know, they can find ways to get him better involved. And I like the evolution of it. And Josh Downs, again, had a couple uncharacteristic plays, normally very sure-handed, uh, but still five catches for 43 yards. His first catch was just so nat, like the whole play was just so natural and brilliant how he caught it and then pivoted away from the defender to pick up the extra yardage. Like that guy just has a feel for the football field. Yeah, one, one thing I want to say about Alec Pierce before we talk about the play on, on offense in this game, we have to talk about the play before we close out the offense segment. But one thing I want to say about Alec Pierce is, look, there's no downfield element to this Colts team this year because they just don't have the quarterback for it. They don't have the quarterback that can throw the ball down the field or who is willing to throw the ball down the field. So Alec Pierce, these last couple of weeks has really had to transition from being Alec Pierce to being Zach Pascal. That That's kind of who he's had to be these last couple of weeks. He's had to go from being the downfield guy to being the fantastic blocker who can occasionally get some catches. And I'm not saying that's a great development for your second year wide receiver, but you know what, for a guy who all of his targets were taken away from him because he lost the the highly explosive downfield throwing quarterback that is Anthony Richardson, he lost that vital element to his game to just change your game around completely and become this Zach Pascal type where you're a fantastic blocker and a guy who can catch underneath. Like, I respect it. I respect it. Hopefully next year with Richardson back, he can get back to being Alec Pierce again. But I do respect that change. But Jake, before we get out of this segment here, we have to talk about the play call. Fourth and inches on the wrong side of the 50. Shane Steichen goes for it. I, I'm, I was super happy he decided to go for it. But when I saw Zaire Franklin coming on the field, I saw all the big bodies coming on the field. I was like, okay, cool. We're just going to meet power with power, run up the middle, see what we can do. But then they they whipped out this fantastic play action play with a seam shot to, to Moelle Cox, where mm-hmm. if Moelle Cox ran a little bit faster than me out there, he probably scores. But, you know, regardless, <laughs> whatever it is, a uh, 30-yard gain on the play, the Colts are able to score a touchdown a couple plays later, which kind of put this game away. Uh, just a fantastic – I mean, the balls to call that play, though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that takes so much. That takes so much guts just to say, you know what, we're going to put the hands – we're going to put the ball in the hands of Gardner Minshew. <laughs> with the game and that Mo he's Alley having. Cox. and Mo Alley Cox with his unsure hands at times. Uh, but he had a play that he trusted. He gave credit to Tom Manning after the game as well for that play call. But oh my gosh, what a play call to put this game away and really give the Colts the victory late in this one. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because that that was, and and after the game, Mo said it felt like the ball was in the air for you know a million years. Well, it's Minshew, of course it was, of course. It yeah, was. yeah, for sure. <laughs> but again, you net like if Mo is wide open, you never know if it's going to be a catch or not. So like again, the balls to call that was was awesome. Um, but no, I Shane can get a little cute sometimes, especially you know trying to draw defenses offside and things like that. I had a feeling about that when I was watching it all bunched up and I was like, there's something different about this. And so I kind of expanded my view and I was like, Oh, the tight end is leaking out. There it is. Seam shot. Oh. So no, that was beautiful. Uh, that, that was a Shane is in his bag moment. So it was, you gotta yeah. love it. It's, it's a guy who is, is getting more and more comfortable with what he can call. I mean, he's been a play caller before, but balancing it with being the, the head coach and, making certain decisions during situational football and key situations. You'll love to see it. Yeah, just a fantastic, fantastic play. But coming up, guys, we're going to talk about this Colts defense and how, yes, there were some ugly moments, but for the most part, the Colts defense won the day for Indianapolis against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Guys, prize picks is the most fun that I have had winning up to 25 times my money this football season. You just select two or more players, pick more or less than their projected stats, and you're on your way. With the basketball season here as well, I know there's a lot of people who cross-pollinate with sports. Zach is one of them. Price Picks is probably the coolest and best place to mix your two sports desires, basically. So they have a specials league. It's a league created specifically for combo projections. Uh, you can combine you know, prop bets and, and more and less thans for basketball and football players. Uh, take, for example... You want Tyrese Halliburton from the Pacers and Michael Pittman from the Colts. And you say that they're going to combine for more or less than 10 and a half, three pointers and catches made number one, this would have been an awesome game for you, but number two, that's just like a really cool concept. And it brings something fresh uh, to the betting scene. Uh, Prize picks even offers a reboot policy uh, for people who think life and sports is unfair uh, so that your entries stay in play. Even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, both. If you have a player who exits the game in the first half and they don't return in the second, then that player gets rebooted for you. PricePix is the only DFS platform with an injury insurance policy because, again, life isn't fair. Go to pricepix.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's pricepix.com slash LockedOnNFL and use code LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Defense, defense, defense. Uh, there were some highs and lows in this one, but overall, I I came away feeling pretty good about it. Uh, there was a feel good story. Obviously, we, we haven't dove into it a ton because it just is what it is. This week, we have talked about it and did an episode on it. But obviously, Shaquille Leonard was uh, waived by the Colts on Tuesday which opens the door for EJ Speed to be a you know 100% player, essentially, alongside Zaire Franklin. But Ronnie Harrison was promoted from the practice squad, converted to linebacker from safety this week, and was the starting Sam. Uh, and in his first action for the Colts, picks off Baker Mayfield, jumping in front of Mike Evans. So really great feel-good story for that. Um, what, what did you see from Ronnie Harrison, and what are you hoping for moving forward? I was mostly just really intrigued that that's the way they went with their uh, base defensive personnel in this game. Mm -hmm. You know, I I really was thinking that the base defense personnel would be Zaire Franklin at the mic, which that remained the same. I expected that to stay the same. 
but I thought EJ Speed would switch over to the Willbacker, and then they would have like a Grant Stewart in there at Sam linebacker. I thought that mm-hmm. was the easy way to go and made the most sense, but instead they kind of went with EJ Speed in the, as the base Sam or Otto, mm-hmm. however Gus Bradley labels that in his playbook, and they put Ronnie Harrison at weak side linebacker. And you guys know me. Whenever I talk about Madden, I always put linebackers at, or I put safeties at linebacker. I've done this with Jaquiski Tart over the years. I've done this with a ton of dudes. I love doing this, you know, putting those safeties at linebackers. Back in the day, I fell in love with the Josh Harvey Clemens types of draft of draft Twitter and stuff. You know, those high Jeremy Cash, Jeremy Jeremy Cash. Cash. Yeah, Jeremy Chin, I thought was going to be the greatest one ever. So seeing this actually in play, putting a Ronnie Harrison who was very familiar with the type of defense the Colts have been running the last couple of weeks there there at Alabama, running a lot of saving concepts uh, there, obviously, at Alabama, and the Colts have been doing that the last couple of weeks. So getting him there at linebacker and and seeing it pay dividends on the interception, it was really great to see. I, I mean, I was a huge fan of Ronnie Harrison years ago as a draft prospect. Uh, he always had the chops to play linebacker, I always thought as well. Again, as someone who always thinks this way when I see a safety, <laughs> and I always think they can play a little linebacker. But, uh, it was, yeah, it was a really cool transition. It was really cool to see it pay off so early. And, yeah, really, really good coverage. I mean, it was just a really great play by him. I, I do think that pass was ca- probably going to be picked off by, like, four different Colts defenders. I don't really <laughs> know where Baker Mayfield was going with that pass. But, regardless, really great play by Ronnie Harrison. And, and like you said, a really great story for him to switch to the new position, come in his very first game, maybe like what his second snap on defense, he gets an interception. Yeah. It felt fairly obvious just going back to the summer. And now what they did this week, they've been itching to get him involved. They just didn't have a role for him yet coming from the practice squad, but they didn't even need to keep him. They had several safeties, you know, around this summer. They didn't even need to keep him. I kind of thought he would be a cut that they didn't want to cut, but they had to, Uh, but no, right away they got him involved, put him back on the field and he made a play for him. Uh, again, defensive front, you got a sack from Quiddy Pay, kind of a, a hustle play sticking with it to the end. Uh, Baker Mayfield takes off for a run, and Quiddy just cuts him short. Isaiah Land stacking some games together. He went from being a healthy scratch earlier in the season to he he's – I have to look at it, but over the last three, four weeks, he's probably got two, two-and-a-half sacks at least. Yeah. Uh, and then Tyquan Lewis has kind of been on it as well. He was right there against the Patriots. Uh, did it again, uh, came together, I think, with Dio for a half sack uh, on this one. So th- these guys are are coming at it. And uh, a couple young guys, again, I mentioned Dio, Adetomi, really coming for it. I think he's got one and a half sacks and a tackle for loss in the last three games. Not gaudy stats, but he's coming along kind of nicely, I think. Kind of putting some things together, becoming a little more consistent. Yeah, it's been much better than his run defense. His run defense has not been perfect uh, by any means whatsoever. But I do think in the past game and, and as a pass rusher, he's been showing a lot of traits that really made everyone so in love with him as a prospect and so shocked that he fell to the Colts in the fourth round. I think that explosion and that speed is just really uncanny to have for a player of his size. Uh, so getting him out there for more pass rushing situations and more stunts and twists up front uh, has been a really, really great development for the Colts. You know, like, again, we can, we're can we going to talk about it here in a second. The run defense is a disaster. Like, it, it yeah. is so, so bad from a defensive front perspective. And that's not even talking about Ebukam and, and Quiddy Pay. They've both been fantastic against the run. That interior has been so bad. But one positive thing we can say is the last three weeks, pretty much every defensive lineman they've thrown out there has been effective to some degree as a pass rusher. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's a really positive development in a passing league. You know, it's one thing 
if you can't stop the run, like, sure, it sucks. But as long as you can stop the pass, you're probably going to win games. And we've seen that these last three weeks with the Colts, where their secondary is getting a lot more on the same page for the most part. Uh, and their pass rush is coming alive with, you know, six, seven, eight guys getting after it. So I'm I'm impressed with that development from the Colts defensive line. Yes, I want to see more run defensive stops and, and somebody other than Buckner doing something in the run game. But I'm yeah. impressed with the way they've all developed as pass rushers these last couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, we do have to talk about the run game, though, because we only have one more week of there being no Grover. Uh, yeah. In those in those first five games that he was out, they ever they allowed like 154 yards on the ground per game. It was like 114 yards on the ground with him. So a big difference. Um, the Buccaneers, it was like 125 yards today, I think, which that's not 150, but that was still a season high for the league's worst rushing attack. It was almost like 50 yards more than their average. It's like 72 yards was their average. Uh, so not great, man. Not great. Like, again, it can't just be DeForest inside that is that is taking things up. And I didn't think the linebackers had their strongest game today either. I don't know if, if – I mean, I know Zaire's had a knee. He's not going to blame it on that or any, anything. But it just wasn't their sharpest performance. A little uncharacteristic. I don't think it's going to stay a trend because, uh, again, Zaire's been a monster. EJ Speed has been really good against the run throughout his whole career. So this could just be a blip. But, I mean, they got Derrick Henry next week, so we'll see. Look, at the end of the day, if you're sacrificing chunk runs in order to stop the passing game, I'll live with it as long as you yep. stand tall in the red zone. Like they had two miscommunications in the red zone today or one that was just outside the red zone that led to touchdowns. As long as they can clean that up and then keep teams off from scoring, I'm fine with allowing chunk plays in the run game. But that's the only way I'm fine with allowing chunk plays in the run game. So, you know, this needs to be cleaned up unless you're going to be the best red zone defense in football. But real quick, before we uh, before we leave today, I do want to talk about this Colts pass coverage. Wasn't perfect. Some miscommunications. Jalen Jones obviously had his hands full with Mike Evans, but I think this was a really good, really strong game from the Colts secondary. Yes, again, there's some plays that you want to take back, but for the most part, they limited the big passing chunks. Uh, they they held Mike Evans outside of those two touchdowns in check for most of the game. Uh, Chris Godwin didn't have a really strong game either. Uh, Baker Mayfield made a couple of really nice throws, but for the most part, he struggled. And and it goes back again to um, Gus Bradley changing to more of a quarters you know, too high type of scheme these last couple of weeks. I was, I was really interested to see if he would keep this type of change against a better offense outside the bye week. And he has, I mean, he's really protecting the deep ball. He's letting teams get everything underneath and then having his players fly up and do what they can and letting the pass rush to go, go to work on those underneath type throws. So I, I've been really impressed with this change from the Colts defense. Again, I still want to see how it affect how it, you know, if they kind of keep this when Juju Brents comes back, but for the most part, the Colts are not a cover three defense anymore. Like these last three weeks, they have not been a cover three defense. They have been a quarters like Fandio Saban type of type of defense uh, where they're throwing a lot of mixes and matches uh, to really stop the deep ball, which I've been really impressed with. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of people, Jake Cadiente is now in here. I know he wants to talk about it. Nick Cross. I'm, I mean, I think at this point we want to see what it looks like just as much as you guys do uh, because there's, I just feel like there's still some fundamental things that keep going wrong. That probably shouldn't be at this point in the season, especially from someone who is a veteran. And again, I'm not a coach, so I don't know what percentage of this stuff is falling on Thomas and I don't like piling it all on him, but it's a hot topic right now. Yeah. I mean, when you look at people's concerns on the defensive side of the ball, that's one of the first things that comes up. 
Uh, it's it's just maybe Nick Cross being in there. I'm not even saying they have to make some wholesale change and like put him in there as the starter right now. But like, I'd like to see what it looks like for more than just a couple plays a game. You know, like let's see what it looks like for a whole quarter or a whole half straight. You know, like maybe it doesn't, maybe it's not some big fix, but I feel like we at least need to see. Yep. Yep. And that's something we'll definitely talk about this week as we uh, really analyze this entire game. But guys, if you don't already, make sure you're following at Locked on Colts at Jake Arthur NFL and at Zach Hicks to all on X. Also subscribe to us on YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast. We love your guys' ratings and reviews, and we'll see you guys back here bright and early on Tuesday morning.